Welcome to the Rock Church Audio Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us today. Rock Church is located on Harrison Avenue between Mulford and Perryville Roads in Rockford, Illinois. Now let's join Pastor Jared with today's message. Okay, this morning as we turn to God's Word, I want to just invite you to go to two different places. Uh, Matthew chapter 25, and as you're turning there, we're moving to the very beginning of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, and if chapter 25 is on multiple pages, you can focus your attention on verses 14 through 30, it's the parable of the talents, and then once you get there, would you just put your finger there, because I'm going to invite you to turn to one additional text for today. And that one is in the book of 2 Corinthians, uh, chapter 2, verses 14. And they're not going to be up on the screen, and for the sake of time, I won't read the whole um, parable of the talents, but I will read the verse out of 2 Corinthians. And I need to give you just a little bit of, of background and in, in, in kind of how some things have unfolded over the last 24 hours that... Um, are bringing us to this place today because I came in this morning and got a few things squared away and I found Pastor Marty and I said I, I have to go back to the office because I don't think I'm preaching the same sermon I preached Thursday night so um, you know in a matter of you know 30 minutes you know pulled together what I'm going to share with you and um, you just need to kind of know that I believe there's a dynamic that's going to be at work in the room today. And um, it's this. Every time that um, the Lord gives me the opportunity to share His Word, I, I, I have a space that I personally try to occupy. And it's this. It's, Lord, it's not my words, but it's Your heart being revealed. And whatever it takes for that, to happen, Lord, you have your way. And, and, and sometimes, you know, that is um, a very clean process. <laughs> and sometimes it's different. And I felt things being different this week. Um, and, and even yesterday, you know, here for the service and interacting with everybody and, and then going home to prepare, I just kind of felt an unsettledness in my heart. I just kept going about the day and praying and, 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 and seeking God and just saying, you know, Lord, whatever you want to do, whatever you got, please just reveal it. And that's, that's where I was. And then, um, you know, something transpired uh, later in the day yesterday that um, really kind of confirmed why I was feeling what I was feeling. And it happened right here in our neighborhood. I started getting some text messages and people uh, corresponding with me right here in the neighborhood that you drove through to get into church there was a life lost and injuries and law enforcement involved and uh, all under the umbrella of domestic disputes and I got a text from somebody saying the neighborhood's locked down and, and, and just you know something's going on we don't know what it is but it's big uh, a lot of police presence at OSF and details to come
And it just reminded me of something that I think is so important for the Sunday after resurrection. And it's this. Brokenness knows no boundaries. You see, we think we can move to certain neighborhoods and certain places to you know, maybe get away from some of the brokenness of the world, but the reality is the whole world is broken and the whole world needs to know Jesus. And and, and, and that is is demonstrated on an equal level in in homes that are, you know, a million dollars and homes that are $50,000 because the world needs Jesus. And I just kind of feel like today the Lord wants to remind us of something. He wants to remind us of what our assignment is. The church has a commission upon it. There there, there is something that we are all to be doing equally as we wait for His return. And as long as He puts air in our lungs, there is something that we share as the people of God that brings life and hope to the world. I was just so reminded of that last night and... The Lord said, go to bed and sleep, and then when you get to church in the morning, I'll give you what you need. And I think he's done it. So today, you know, Jack, this isn't going to, uh, this is not going to grade out well in a homiletics course. Okay. And that's okay. Because I just believe the Lord wants to share his heart with us today. So let's um, just kind of refresh our memories regarding the parable of the talents, and then I'll read the Second Corinthians passage, and then we'll, we'll pray for Uganda, and we'll pray for the remaining time that we have. Here's the idea behind the parable of the talents. There is a master, and he puts resource into the hands of three servants. And the first two utilize those resources, and they multiply them, and they exercise good stewardship. And then out of fear, the third servant buries the treasure... And when the master returns to collect, he says, you know, I was fearful because you are known as a a man who is harsh and I basically didn't want to fail. So I kept what you gave me and did not use it and did not steward it well to the point that it was multiplied in my hands. And that servant is called uh, wicked and evil. And it, it gives us this picture that you know, if you want to hear the words well done, you know, there is a, 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 a way that we live this life that multiplies the things that God puts in our hands for His glory. And when we move away from that, you know, we're not experiencing the fullness of what God has for us. And then we turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And Paul gives us these words, and you're going to find them to be familiar. As we get into what I'm about to share, these things will connect, and with the Lord's help, you'll all leave here with something to think about. But he says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. There's this reality that as the church is led by Christ, there will be adversity, but when we follow Him, when we obey Him, we will triumph, we will overcome, 
and we will see the work of His kingdom advance. Paul says when that happens, you know, there's a, there's a fragrance that is put out into the world that, that, that is unfamiliar because it doesn't look like anything that we're familiar with, but rather it's different because it comes from Christ and Christ alone and the work that He can do. So Heavenly Father, we just um, come before You right now and we pray for You to speak in this time. Lord, I, just, I pray that this wouldn't be an ordinary moment. Lord, I pray this would be an encounter moment. Lord, I pray this would be a moment, Lord, where You do a work in our hearts. I pray this would be a moment, Lord, where You open our ears to hear Your voice clearly and to know, Lord God, the things that You have in store for us. I pray for things to be broken off of Your church, Lord God, today. Lord, may fear and apprehension and distractions, Lord, be eliminated from the equation of our life and may we gain a fresh sense of clarity today. So Lord, speak. Let your heart be revealed. And may you do a work in us, Lord, that will carry on beyond this moment and into the week ahead. And I thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to start with a couple of questions. And if we're honest with ourselves, we say, you know, we've just experienced a season unlike any other, but seasons are changing. And as we look forward to moving into whatever God has Next, I think there's two questions that we have to be mindful of, and, and, and today we're going to look at it and address it, and, and I think give a little bit of encouragement behind it so that we can see the fullness of and in our community. And these questions are this, where do we go from here? And then what kind of hour do we find ourselves in? I, 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 the, assignment, the assignment for today is to, to size up and to put in perspective uh, the moment that we are in, and, and I don't believe that this moment is unique. I don't believe that it is unfamiliar to mankind, but I believe that it is an hour that mankind has experienced before in the past. In fact, I believe the church has experienced an hour like this in the past. And, and I'll go all the way back to the book of Acts to kind of affirm that reality within us. You know, I believe that we are in an Acts kind of moment, and I say that because I believe the book of Acts is still being written. You know, when, when, when Luke stopped writing and the book was concluded for the sake of the establishment of the New Testament, the work of the church, the Acts of the Apostles, maintained and carried on, and you and I are writing today's chapter. But in the very beginning, when, when, when Pentecost came, and the Holy Spirit came upon the church and the church was birthed. They were commissioned very clearly. In fact, they're, they're red letter words outside the Gospels. In other words, you know, this is the resurrected, ascended Jesus speaking to the church. 
and saying, this is the reason why these things have happened. It says in Acts 1.8, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So here we see that what Christ accomplished on the cross, what was purchased through his victory over death and the grave, was going to change reality forever in the sense that it was not going to be confined to, to the geographic location of Jesus' ministry, but it was literally going to go to the four corners of the world. And for them it looked like this. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the other ends of the world. And just kind of think of it this way. Concentric circles. Little circle, bigger circle, another one that's bigger, and then the world. But here is the reality. The church remained in Jerusalem until Acts chapter 8. So they received their commission in Acts chapter 1, and in Acts chapter 8, the chapter opens this way. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. The church receives its commission. It stays right where it was in the confines of what was familiar. It is not reaching out. It is not expanding. Even though it's received the Holy Spirit. And it is persecution. It is trial. It is difficulty. It is opposition that pushes them out of what is familiar. And I believe that we are in a similar kind of moment for the North American church. When you look at what the world has gone through in this last year, I believe that in part God is going to use it to redefine what is normal, what doing church looks like, because he has a greater dimension of his calling and his commission that he wants us to walk in. In fact, you might want to put it this way. Maybe he's wanting us to become reacquainted with our commission. Because in many respects, we have only half-heartedly embraced it. And because of that, you know, we are losing our culture. Because of that, we are no longer in a time where our nation can be considered Judeo-Christian, but rather it is postmodern and secular. The landscape has shifted, and in many respects, the church has been blind to it. And I think in many respects, the Lord is using all that we have gone through to say, you know what, we need to make the main thing the main thing. So let me share an observation with you that I think has led us to led up to this moment. In many respects, the church at large has been more focused on winning the argument and not transforming the heart. Uh, we have come out strongly against things that we are against, but we haven't pointed those who are bound up by those things to a place where they can find freedom in Christ. What we do has to be about people. Has to be about people. 
I use the word argument there very strategically because we've not been careful with our words. I'm going to take you to Colossians. You ever notice how it's harder to find a place in your Bible when you're standing in front of somebody? You're sitting in a Bible study, you go to turn somewhere and you could jump by it like four times. Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. Listen to these words. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. That is written to give instruction to the church on how they are to relate to people outside the church. And Paul kind of gives us these two targets in relation to our speech and our conversation. He says, you need to use grace words. And here's what what I want us to remember today. Um, You can share the truth with grace. Grace does not need to be extended at the expense of truth. And then we need to recapture that place where our words and our interactions are bringing people to a place where they are facing something they've never looked at before. Because the truth is convincing and it is attractive and it is transformational. And, 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 and how, we, how a conversation ends oftentimes reveals where the emphasis has been. Now we, we can't control how someone responds. But the words that we speak should produce a fruit that does not increase shame or condemnation on the hearer. Because that is not kingdom language. So if, if you're in dialogue with someone and they're becoming downcast and they begin to feel more shame and they begin to feel more guilt, they begin to feel more condemnation, your words need to be evaluated. But then he says, words that are seasoned with salt. And I think that you know, these two things need to be put together. Words that are seasoned with salt are not a permission to be salty. All right? That's kind of a modern day thing right now. You'll hear that word. You know, oh, that's salty. That just kind of means it's a little bit harsh. It's a little hostile, maybe rooted in a little bit of anger. It's not what Paul is talking about, but rather he's, he's talking about a flavor. There's a, there's a kingdom flavor that should come through our kingdom conversations. And that kingdom flavor is, you know, love covers a multitude of sin. You know, that, that, that kingdom flavor is there is hope to be found in Christ for all who turn to him. 
You know, that kingdom flavor is one that we share with our brothers and sisters in Christ that remind them that, that no matter how difficult the day is when we follow Christ, He always causes us to triumph. You see, there's an elevation that should take place in what the church is announcing and sharing with those who are within the church and with those who are outside of the church. We need to be not so focused on winning the argument, but seeing the heart transformed. You know, and in doing so, we're following the example of Jesus. Because Jesus doesn't reject troubled and broken people. Let me take it one more step. He calls them to be disciples. So let me, let, let me just kind of just throw something, you know, out here that I think is, is just going to be maybe very difficult to swallow for a minute. And it's, and it's just a what if. And, and I think your initial impulse or reaction to this what if, it really kind of reveals the space that your heart is occupying. What if... Someone walked in the door this morning and came to this service who was struggling with sexual identity. Or maybe even gender. And you, and you might be thinking uh, to yourself for just a moment, well, that's not likely to happen. And let me tell you this, it is more likely to happen than you understand and the reality of the statistics are telling us that there are even some who are here who are just unspoken in the trial and the trouble and the challenges that they're facing. And you know what? That is not kingdom community. Because Jesus doesn't reject troubled and broken people. He calls them to be disciples. So you can add that what if to a whole list of other what ifs. Because we live in a more complicated day than we ever have before. The lines are more blurred than they ever have been. Brokenness is greater than it ever has been. And Jesus is not intimidated by the struggle. He's not intimidated by the questions but rather, he would speak to those who are lost in those places of being bound up and sensing as though there's no hope for freedom. That there is a freedom in him that can only be found through the cross. And when that is absent from what the church is proclaiming, we are not going to have an impact upon society. We're going to come to church and we're going to feel happy. And we're going to go home feeling a little bit better about ourselves and we will have no impact. You've got to remember what our commission is. If we're going to see kingdom change, we have to be pushed out of what is comfortable and familiar and into our Judeas and our Samarias. And that's not just geographic, but it's also a response of the heart. Jesus 
gives us an example. This is what Thursday night got a little bit of. John chapter 13 and John chapter 14 are, 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 are just powerful chapters in that gospel. And they take place on the first Monday Thursday. It's the, it's the day of Holy Week when uh, Jesus has washed the feet of his disciples, uh, demonstrating servant leadership. It's, it's the time during Holy Week when Judas is identified as the betrayer. It's the, it's the time of Holy Week where Jesus is saying to them, I am only going to be with you a little longer. And the hearts of the disciples were troubled. That's why I say Jesus doesn't reject troubled and broken people, but he invites them to be his disciples because the response of the disciples as Jesus is telling him these things is not what you would think that to be normal for a follower of Christ because they look an awful lot like you and I. Peter says, Lord, where are you going? There was an insecurity that came upon Peter in that moment because everything that he knew that was familiar was going to change. And his security had been found in walking with Jesus in a physical capacity. And he's like, where are you going? And then Philip pipes up and he's like, okay, I'm going to help get the answer. And he asks another question. And he says, you know, Lord, how are we going to get there? You know, Thomas, he, he had to have the plan. He needed to know the details. He, he's like, I'm not going to take another step unless I can, I can see what it is. And that's kind of consistent with where he was because he's the disciple that said, you know what? I'm not going to believe he's resurrected until I put my hand in his side and my finger in his palms. He just had to have this concrete um, reality and information in front of him. And then Philip says, well, I'm going to one-up these guys. He's like, I'm not going to ask a question. I'm going to make a statement. And he says, show us. Show us. Give me something tangible, Jesus. And here's the thing. Jesus interacts with them. He speaks the truth to them. He refocuses their attention away from the things that are just circling around them into a kingdom reality. And he does it in this way. You guys are all concerned right now because you think that me leaving is an end. But I want you to know that it is just a beginning. He changes their focus. The focus of their heart. What their minds were dwelling on. And that's what truth does. It changes our focus and it places it in the right place. So what does that that shift look like? If I'd have been a little ahead of schedule, I would have brought a flashlight with me, but I, I didn't, so I'm going to have to use my cell phone. Because, you know, God has designed us in such a way to be able to shift our focus away from where it shouldn't be 
to where it needs to be. And, and it, it, is a, it is a calculation that your, your, your mind and your heart make regularly and you don't even recognize it. You know, because right now, the vast majority of you are focused on me. But the reality is there is an awful lot going on in the room. You know, there's, there, there's movement, there's noises, there's you know, just things that are fluctuating around you. And God has given you a capacity as a part of your design to focus your attention where it needs to be. And uh, some have called this process and um, a... Um, well, I should rather back up and say they have defined that process in this way. Uh, your, attention, your attention creates your reality. In other words, what you are focused on is what is creating the reality that you're living in. And that's right where the disciples were. Jesus is leaving. Boom, insecurity. How are we going to get there? i got to know the way. Show us. How do we shift and change? Your mind works like a flashlight. Go ahead and dim the lights, Barb. I'm going to try to pull this off. Give me grace. I'm not the most tech-savvy person. So this is what God is doing in this hour in the church. I won't shine you in the light because they said at 8 o'clock, it's brighter than you think, Pastor. <laughs> you can I, can, I can focus this in a thousand different directions. And in doing so, as I pay attention to those things, they become the reality that I live in and the things that I am inviting into my life. And I believe in this hour, as we're being reminded of what our commission is, the Lord is doing this. Don't put your focus on all of these other things. Put it right there. Jesus Christ, Him crucified, risen, and coming again. So I, I just want to Turn off my flashlight so my phone doesn't die. <laughs> I just want to say this. Let Jesus change your focus. Because through so many different avenues, other things are competing for. And that's the danger that lies within the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents teaches us that, that waiting for the Lord's return does not mean that we sit idle. Because the, the servant who sat idle lost his joy, it says, and then the master called him wicked. His words, not mine. mine. 
And we say, wow, that, that gets my attention. How, how do I live life that way? And, and I want to say, focus your attention on Jesus and let him answer that question. Because you know what? Uh, even church-going folks will try to answer it for you. And sometimes it's not always the simplest of things or even the most beneficial of things. Because I've, I've observed this dynamic over the years. You get, uh, you get the individual who's retired and they've got a little bit more uh, time on their hands, you know, maybe a little bit more uh, discretionary income. And you know, God begins to use them in, in, in a new way and they get excited about it. And they're finding great joy in it and awesome things are happening for the kingdom. And then they think that, that that's like a cookie cutter and it's the same way it's got to work in everybody else's life. And then you get the young mom and dad who are raising two or three kids and they're in school and they're working two jobs and they're having a hard time even just getting to the grocery store to keep food in the pantry. And they say, well, if I got to do all of that extra... To, to be serving Jesus, I've been set up to fail. What is the point in even trying? And that is not where Jesus wants us to live. He wants you to serve. He wants you to share the gospel wherever you are. And that looks different in different life stages, and it's okay. I'll give you an example. He was in the 8 o'clock service. Keith Prino, he's the paint manager at Home Depot, and um, on East State Street. A few years ago, when we, uh, when we bought our house, I was buying a lot of paint. Gallons and gallons and gallons of paint. And I got to spend a lot of time with Keith because he was mixing paint. And you know, um, Jesus can even use a gallon of paint. Because in those times at that counter, we got on a first name basis. And then we just began to talk a little bit more. And then he asked me that dreaded question, well, where do you work? Because <laughs> it always, not always, most of the time, People are like, oh, okay, <laughs> conversation done. <laughs> but Keith, um, Keith just said, you know, um, where's your church at? Because I need a church home. And it took some time, but Keith is here. Because we, we, we serve the Lord we fulfill our commission wherever we are. It doesn't have to be a Billy Graham crusade. It's in living life itself. But our mindset needs to change in this hour. We need to... Um, not size up the moments and the opportunities that we have based upon the risk. But we need to consider the reward. Because that's why Paul said that um, Christ always caused him to triumph. 
when he penned those words, he had gone through hard times. He had experienced a change of direction in his life more times than he could probably count. And the testimony of Paul's life was this, I thank God who always leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus. And I just have to think that there was kind of a conviction that settled into Paul's heart that sounded an awful lot like this. When he heard the voice of the Holy Spirit and he sensed the prompting in his heart to be led in a direction, he wasn't just focused on what could go wrong. He was focused on what could be accomplished for the kingdom. I think the church needs to take up that calling again. It's a scary thing to walk across the street and to ring a doorbell. It's an uncertain thing to be kind to a cashier in the line. Sometimes the Lord asks us to do things and you respond by going, say what? But you know, when you do that, Gain a vision for the reward that can come. Because we're called to be incarnational, and I'll, I'll, I'll end with this. Incarnational in this sense, and that, that term kind of gets thrown around in the church world a lot, and it can mean different things from different people, but, but I, I, I believe that it means this. That, that as those who know Christ and have placed their faith in Him, we're to live an incarnational lifestyle that recognizes that, that when we are in Christ, we've been called uh, to worship Him. We've been called to worship Him exclusively. And in that, we are, we are no longer of this world. Okay? But along with that, we are sent back into the world to be witnesses. No longer of the world but sent back into the world to bear witness. And this is where Jesus brings his disciples as they're troubled and they're wondering what in the world is life going to look like without you here to walk with. He reminds them in verses 12, 13, and 14 of John chapter 14 that they were going to do greater things. That, that, again, this is not an end, but it is a beginning of seeing greater things happen in the sense that what Jesus had done in a location was going to happen in greater scope and in greater quantity around the world because his church was going to take it there. And sometimes people just simply define that as miracles and signs and wonders. And then sometimes people just define that as acts of service. And I want to say those two things don't operate in competition with one another. It's whatever is needed to advance the gospel. Jesus will provide it because he's the one who does the work. So what are these greater things? greater in scope and sequence and it's the extension and the carrying on of the work that Jesus has already done 
He purchased redemption on the cross and that resurrection day. And now the greater works that we are a part of are to share the blessing of his redemptive work with the world. But in order for us to walk in that, there is a focus that we must have. And there's an expectation that we must walk in that every moment might be a kingdom moment. You know, I've heard a lot um, in uh, political circles and social circles about a reset. You know, there are people within the world that want to implement a reset on the world system to advance an agenda. And uh, it's true, maybe, maybe not. I, I don't know. I, I just kind of think, you know what? Uh, man's going to do what man wants to do. But I'm wondering if the church is at a place where Jesus is saying it's time for a spiritual reset. You know, one where he's the focus. One where we're mindful of our commission. One where we're not seeing the taking of the gospel to the world as a crusade or a program that must be implemented, but as a part of our identity and who we are. Expressed in the way that we speak, in the way that we look at people, in the way that we come alongside of them, even in their brokenness. And I'll be honest with you. When I started to hear about the events that were taking place last night in this neighborhood, I just kind of felt like I had a moment where the Lord broke my heart again. church we have greater works to be a part of there's more to be done and it's going to take all of us to do it and today I would just invite you just to inquire of the Lord Where does my heart need to shift and where does my focus need to change? We're going to close a little bit differently in the sense that I just want to give you space to do that right now. Just going to bow your heads in prayer to say, Lord, where am I and where do you want me to be? Lord, I just pray right now in this room and I pray 
for those who are joining us at home, Lord, may, may there just be a very clear moment with you where our ears are open and you are speaking to us. Lord, this church wants to be a part of the work that you're doing. So Lord, if there's anything that would compete with that, Lord God, shepherd us, Lord. Guide us. Pray for a prayer burden to come upon this congregation, Lord. Lord, for our community and our world, Lord, I pray that we, we not be content, Lord, just looking at things around us with frustration, Lord. May you bring us to a place of intercession, Lord. Bring us to a place where we're standing in the gap. We're calling for awakening. Calling for a spiritual work to be done in this hour, Lord, that brings a, a revival defined by repentance and trust in Lord Jesus Christ. pray that as we prepare to leave this place, Lord, may you continue to speak to us. Lord, may, may this week, Lord, be unique in the sense of calling being confirmed. The assignments that you've given us, Lord, become clearer. May your favor rest upon us and may you use us, Lord. bowed with every eye closed. I just want to give opportunity for any who are in the room today who don't know Christ as Lord and Savior to, to know Him before you leave today. The freedom is found in Him. The forgiveness of sin is found in Him. New life is found in Him. And it, and it just begins with a response that says, Be Lord of my life. Forgive me. And help me to follow You rest of my days. And if you're in that place where you would say, you know, that is a decision that I am needing to make. And it might be for the first time, it might be a decision that you're, you're coming back around to because you had walked away from it at some point in your life. We'd like to, 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 to restart that journey today by saying, Jesus, you are Lord. Help me. And we'll do that through a prayer. But I'd like to know who is making that decision today just by the show of hands. If you're here today, you say, you know what, I need to make Christ my Lord. I need to come back to Him. I see those hands. I see that hand. Anyone else today? Christ is Lord coming back. Coming back to a living relationship with Him. Anyone else today?
invite everybody to stand and we're going to conclude by praying a prayer together. Those of you who know Christ and will affirm that commitment for those who are coming back to Him today, it will start their journey. If you're starting that journey today, tell somebody. I'd love to meet you after service. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you a Bible. We'd love to help you get planted in a community where a relationship can can be encouraged and grow with one another. Let's take that first step, a prayer of confession and a prayer of faith in Jesus Christ. Would you just repeat after me, dear God, I am a sinner, but I'm willing to turn from my sin, but I need your help. I receive Christ into my heart by faith. I want him to be Lord of my life from this moment on. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I thank you for this time that we have shared together. Lord, I I just pray for your grace and your peace to be upon us. I pray for you to watch over us and to keep us until we gather here again. And as we go about the week ahead, Lord, I pray for your favor. I pray, Lord, for you to empower us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, for many unique kingdom assignments to come our way that we might be able to share all that you have done. And we give you thanks now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We hope this has been a blessing in your life and we look forward to having you joining us in person for a service soon. Our service times are Thursday nights at 7 o'clock and two services on Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. God bless you.